0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. It's great to see everyone this morning and first time in over a year that I've been out of Liberty Church. I'll tell you, my mother, I love her cooking when she was alive. We would go to church and she would always eat somebody else's cooking. And I couldn't figure that out because I thought she was the best cook. Why eat somebody else's? And she said, well, I have to eat mine all the time. I like to taste somebody else's. <laughs> so to get to go to a meeting like this, I, I have to preach at liberty all the time. It's good to go hear some others and fit, feast upon them. Amen, Elder Larry Wise told me one time, the benefit of going first is nobody can take your text. <laughs> So my text this morning, if you'll pray, is the virgin birth. And I'll be very discreet about it. I'm not so much interested in how it happened. I'm interested in why it happened. And that's what I want to cover. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn to the book of Matthew in the chapter 22. And we'll begin at the 41st Verse. But before we do that, I heard a man preach one time on John the Baptist and his raiment was camel's hair and a leathern girdle and his food was locusts and wild honey. And he did a good job. And after I heard that sermon, I thought, if the Lord had blessed you, you can preach on any text in the Bible. Any verse. It don't matter. Because I would have never thought you could have preached on that but he did a good job so you pray this morning because i've been standing talking to people since i was 16 years old so to stand up here and talk doesn't really scare me what scares me is whether i tell you the truth or not and you pray that god will lead me in the way that he would have me to go now you'll find that i've got some scriptures written down here in the bible and some ministers say well You should never take a note. If they ever wrote in their Bible, they took a note. It may not be cliff notes, but they took a note. And what I've got written down here is just verses. If the Lord lead me to speak on them, then I don't have to turn and look for it, and I get them right. Because I'm 70 years old, and my memory ain't what it used to be, and it never was really any good. So, as we think about the virgin birth, Jesus says this, it says, And when the Pharisees, in the 41st verse, it says, While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is He? And they say unto Him, The Son of David. He said unto them, How doth David in spirit call Him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand Till I make thine enemies thy footstool If David then called him Lord How is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word Neither durst any man from that day forth Ask him any more questions Now I've been questioned a lot of times But I believe that this Bible Is the incarnated word of God I believe it's true from Genesis to Revelation. Not one word of it should ever be taken out, nor any word added to it. And if you keep that in mind today, and I just heard this the other day a man preaching, and I listen to other preachers to get an idea of what they're saying and what's out there, and I don't advise you to do it. I've heard primitive Baptist ministers tell you listen to everybody, well, don't do it. You know, there's, there's food out there in the world you could eat. It ain't good for you. That's right. So that preaching ain't good for you. Amen, brother. But if you're a devout studier of God's Word and can rightly divide the Word of truth, then I'd say it was okay to listen to him because you've got to know whether he's preaching the truth or not. And this man said if you believe in the virgin birth, it don't matter. It's okay if you do. It's okay if you don't. And they even got Bibles today, what they call Bibles, they're not Bibles, right. that are leaving it out. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, if we don't have the virgin birth, then we don't have salvation. That's right. Period. That's right. That's true. Because if Joseph was Jesus' father, then all you've got is the Son of Man, That's right. and He's like any other man. That's right. And I heard a minister at Liberty Church one time preach, and, he seen me sitting there as the pastor of liberty. As he was preaching this, he could tell I didn't believe a word he was saying. Because whenever he stopped, he looked at me directly in the face and said, You don't believe that, do you? And I said, No, I don't. Don't ask me if you don't want me to ask you. He was preaching that Mary was nothing but an incubator. Well, if she was nothing but an incubator, a vessel, then all you've got is the Son of God you don't have the son of man so you see that had to be both and i hope we can prove that this morning as we begin to see who the son of man and the son of god was and as i said i wrote some of these scriptures down so i don't have to turn to them elder coker i know you all know elder roy coker he told his grandson one time when he asked him uh granddad is it all right if we take notes he said, sure, just double space and leave room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I hope this morning that I have double space and left room for the Holy Spirit. So when we begin to think about the Bible, we've got to believe what it says. Amen. I preached in Leicester, West Virginia one time, and I just had started in the ministry. I hadn't been preaching very long. After service, this young lady came up to me and she says, I don't believe what you said and I said what did I say and she said well you read a scripture I don't, I, I don't think you have it right I said well I'm not beyond making a mistake let's go get the bible and see so I went and got the bible and I brought it down to her and I read it to her and she said well I don't care what it says I still don't believe it <laughs> and I said young lady and this is all I said young lady if that's the case we've got nothing else to say if we don't have the bible as a base for our discussion." We don't have nothing. We've got to have some place that we can go together and form an opinion of what it says. So as we begin thinking about God coming uh, immaculately, if I can use that word, overshadowed Mary, and in her conceived the Son of God. Mm. Now, to tell you why I know it's the Son of God, when Jesus was baptized, as he comes straightway up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him, and a voice from heaven said, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. My beloved Son." Okay. Then we can go to a little further, 17th chapter Matthew and we could find Peter, James, and John with Jesus going up to the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw this miraculous thing up there I believe it was Moses, Elias, and Jesus right. and as they was coming back off of the mountain Peter, being the kind of man he was and I believe he was you know, sincere That's right. That's he said, Lord, let us build three tabernacles <laughs> three tabernacles one for Moses, one for Elias and one for you. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Amen. And a voice from heaven said again, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Now he called him the beloved son again. Okay, as we think about that, somebody will always come by and say, Well, we're sons, aren't we? Doesn't John 3, 1 say, Behold what manner of love this is that the Father hath bestowed upon us to call us the sons of God. But children of God, we're sons, but we're sons different from Jesus. Jesus is a begotten Son. We are an adopted Son. (coughs) Big difference. Now you can have the same love and all that, and I'm sure God loves us with all of His heart because His love never changed. If He ever loved you one bit, He loves you that same amount today. No matter what you've done. Mm -hmm. Ain't that wonderful? I mean, to me it is, because I've done some things I'm not real proud of in my life. And to think that God still loves me. Mm -hmm. So, we go on down then and think about the woman at the well. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, because I just want you to see that He is the Son of God. And as He was talking to the woman at the well, she begin to say well I know the Messiah is coming Mm -hmm. you know she was prophesied to and told about the Messiah coming and Jesus in his words he said I that speak unto thee am he one of the few times in the Bible I find where Jesus actually said I'm the Christ so you see Jesus if we're going to believe God we've got to believe Jesus because there's three in heaven that bear record in heaven God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says these three are one. Now don't ask me to explain that because I can't do that. But I know one thing, they are three different individuals, if I can use that word. They're separate from one another, but yet they think alike. You know, after you've been married a long time, you and your wife or you and your husband kind of start to think alike. But it's not near what it is with God, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There is no difference in them. Now, I don't want to throw stones, but I want to tell you something, and I believe it's a preacher's obligation and duty to tell you what's out there. Don't listen to the Jehovah Witness. Because they say that the Son is one part of God, God is God, but the Spirit is not. Mm. They say the Spirit is the willingness of God. Mm. Well, I read in my Bible, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Now, how can I grieve a feeling? Right. If that's not an individual, I can't grieve it. Amen. And by the way, while we're at it, grief is a love word. Mm. Your children can vex you, or your children out here in the world can vex you, but your children will grieve you. That's right. Right. They will hurt you down deep in your heart. Mm. And that's why it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. All right, now, we want to get one more text in there. When Jesus was talking to His disciples... He looked at him and said, who do men say that I am? Well, some say they are Elias. Some say that they are Jeremiah. Some say that you're one of the prophets. But Jesus says, whom do ye say that I am? And old Simon Peter again, you know, he's all done talking. He came back and he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And Jesus said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon, but For flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So now we know that the Son of God came into this earth. And from that text, the only way that we can know the Son of God is by revelation. By God revealing Him unto you. Now you can say Jesus is Christ all you want to. I can say I'm a millionaire and I can try to act like it but I can't cash a check. That's That's the same way with Jesus Christ. You can walk around and say you're a Christian you can act like it, Mm -hmm. but unless God has touched your heart and wrought a change in you, then you're not a Christian. And only He can do that. I believe you're all Christians here this morning. You wouldn't be here on a Saturday morning. (laughs) Because God actually puts the will in your heart to follow Him. All right, now. The birth of Jesus was miraculous, supernatural, and unique. Amen. We must not dismiss it simply because it's impossible with man. Amen. We sometimes think something out here in the world and say, well, that can't happen. <laughs> Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, God can do whatever He wants to, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, the Lord willing. But I want you to see that it doesn't matter what you think or what you feel what matters is what God said period no discussion about it I can discuss things with what my wife says and I can change her mind but I can't change God's mind I can rely upon God's mercy alright now declaring that he's the son of God let's turn over to John just a minute in the first chapter of John And we want to see something recorded here. And this is important to the virgin birth to understand this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning. Oh, what's that mean? The word was in the beginning. I believe, and I don't know, and I can't really take a a, a Scripture and say this is direct proof, but I feel deep in my heart that every time God spoke from Genesis to Revelations, it was Jesus Christ speaking. He was the Word. Down here on the 13th verse, well, the 14th verse, and it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, right. full of grace and truth. Amen. The Amen. only begotten right. of the Father. That's telling you that God Himself is the Father of Jesus Christ. That's right. Not Joseph. Right. Now, <coughs> thinking about <clears throat> John the Baptist, or not John the Baptist, but uh, what John says here, that Jesus is the Word, we go back in the Old Testament and we're doing a series of sermons right now on Abraham at Liberty Church and I, I'm liking it. <laughs> I'm feeling good about it because I believe God is blessing us to learn a lot of things that we need to know that Abraham went through. But the first time that God called Abraham in Genesis twelve seven, it says, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham. How did he do that? God is the Spirit. That's what the woman well, Jesus told her. said, God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. You can't see a spirit. We pray the Spirit of God is with us today, and I believe He is. But I want you, anybody in this room to point out where He's at. You can't see. So He appeared as a man. But yet, being like a man, He was able to commune with Abraham and tell Abraham what He wanted. And it's important that you understand that. Yeah. And God, a little further on down with Abraham, it said Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw three men coming. Mm-hmm. And he ran out to meet them. And he said, let me fetch a little water to wash your feet and fix you a meal. Now this is just my word. You'll have to go to the 18th chapter of Genesis to read all this. But he said, let me, let me fix you a meal. And they said, Okay. So they sat down to have a meal with Abraham. Now, people have always asked me, say, said, do you think we're going to eat in heaven? I have no idea. <laughs> what does it matter? That's right. I can tell you this much, you won't have to worry about your weight. Amen. <laughs> Ain't going to be no calories. I can eat all the chocolate cake my heart desire if we're eating in heaven. But I don't know that we're going to do that. The Bible tells me I'm going there to praise God. Amen. Around His throne. And you know, I'll get off the subject in just a minute here, but Brother Chris told me to take all the time I want. Uh, I often wondered, how are we going to do that? Because there's going to be a multitude in heaven that no man can number. And we're all going to stand around this thing. Well, I've been to ball games, setting up high on the stand, that the players look like they're about that tall. If I was twice that far away, I'm not sure I could even see them. So if I'm in the last row, standing around the throne, how am I going to see Jesus? And I thought about that a long time ago. I went to my son's house and he had a 3D TV. And you put these goggles on and there was a ball on that TV. It didn't make no difference where you went. It was right in your face. And I said, God's in 3D. <laughs> no matter where I am, He's going to be right in my face. I'm going to be able to see it okay so they, they fixed this meal as they was getting ready to leave and Abraham called him Lord you might say well maybe he just called him Lord as they did back in that day when somebody was of high authority but you go on down to the 18th chapter and they said and the Lord said yeah, yeah. shall I hide this thing from Abraham And the Lord said, it didn't say the angel said the Lord said. It said the Lord said. So, Abraham saw God. Now, why didn't God come down 33 years old and go to the cross? Why did he have to be born? And that's important. That's right. Extremely important. Because remember, there's one thing about a spirit. You can't kill it. Amen. A spirit will never die. Right. Every sin, you know, every sin that you've committed or every sin out there in the world, one tenth of one percent of one sin has to be paid for. Amen. Amen. And it will either be paid for in Christ on the cross or in hell itself. Right. Yeah. Not one's going to slide. Amen. So, for God to go to the cross now in the form of a man, He's still just a spirit. That's right. That's all He is. You know? That's right. You can <laughs> go out here sometime and lay down and look up the clouds. You ever done that when you was a kid? and say, "That looks like a boat. That looks like a horse. That looks like this or that. It had the image of it. But it wasn't it. That's right. There was nothing substantive about it. Amen. So the Spirit could not, God, God, in spirit could not come down and make himself look like a man and go to the cross. Amen. Because the Spirit couldn't die, and that's all he was. That's right. So now, let's go back to Genesis and see how all this come about. We're going to go to Genesis 1-1. If you believe this in the Bible, you should believe every part of it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. You believe that? How did He do it? Now this is, you might say, well, what's they got to do with the virgin birth? It's got everything to do with it. How did God create the heavens and the earth? We can go on down here to the th- third verse and see a little bit how He did it. And it said, God said, let there be light, And guess what? There was light. All he had to say was let. Do you know he has that same power today? If God says something, let. Whatever the let is, is going to happen. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing is impossible for God. There's only two things God cannot do, and that's lie and deny himself. So if you understand that, and Brother Chris and I was talking about that, I can lie. I don't want to lie, but I can. I told Brother Chris I would be here today. Well, what happened if I got real sick and was in the hospital? You say, well, that's excusable. Well, it might be excusable, but it's still a lie. No matter how you look at it, I didn't do what I said. God always does exactly what He says. Everything is yea or nay. There's no maybe. You know, when I was growing up with mom and dad, they'd tell me you can't do this. If I kept on them long enough, I might get to do it. I might get a whipping out of it too. <laughs> One of the two. Because my mom certainly believed in that old adage, if you keep crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. <laughs> and she delivered. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, whatever God says, He does. Amen. So He said, let there be light. And there was light. Now... Let's go over to uh, the 20th verse. And it says, And God said, Let. Well, now here's this word again. Let. Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and the fowl of the and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. All right, God created the fish. How did he do it? He spoke to it. Let. And it's important that you see that word let. I know I'm harping on it, but it's critical that you understand that God spoke it into existence. And you know, we could have went back and read all that, but I don't want to take the time of how He created the waters and and, and separated the dry land and all that. And God created great whales and every living thing, creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. Now, that's critical that you see that. I went to uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and visited the ark up there. And one thing I appreciated about the ark is they had everything separated in their kind. And that was interesting to see. Now, I think they have got it wrong when they built the ark, because if you look at it, there's a whole row of windows going down it. In the Bible, i only seen one. But They thought they needed a bunch of them. So if you go visit that, you look at that sometimes. But they had everything separated to their kind and how down through life. All this happened, say, from the wolf came the coyote, the dog, and all that, after their kind. So it's important that you keep that in mind, after their kind. Then it goes down and it says in the 24th verse, and let let the earth bring forth the living creature. All right. We got something real unique here because evolutionary or people that believe in evolution say, well, we're all carbon-based. Right? That's what they want to say. Well, look what it says here. This is why. Let the earth bring forth. he didn't get down there and make a lamb. He didn't get down there and make a lion. He didn't get down there and make this or that. He just said, let the earth. And right up out of the earth came every one of these creatures. He right. said, let the earth bring forth the living creature. After his kind. Now here we got it again. After his kind. And as I said, every word in the Bible is important. Right. Even the camel hair and the leavened girl and the locust and wild honey. That was important. I didn't think it was so important as I read it until I heard preached on. Right. It's important. The word kind is important. The cattle and the creeping thing and the beast of the earth after his kind and, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now you notice man wasn't in this. Right. These are all kinds. Right. All different what we call families. It might be easier for you to understand when I'm talking about a kind here in the Bible, it's just simply a family. Right. The family of the cattle, the family of the fish, the family of this, or whatever. Alright, now this next verse, God uses the word let, but He loses it in a different way. He's not commanding something to happen. He's stating a fact. And I believe it was Jesus that stated this fact. He said, and God said, let us, which tells me there were more than one. They all were there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But again, I believe it was Jesus speaking. If I can use that, the Son of God speaking anyway. And God said, let us make man in our own image, our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, how did he do that? In God's image. Right. Seeing how a spirit has no picture. Excuse me. And we can't see them. How did God do that? He was not saying, let us make man look like him. He was saying, let us make men like us, pure, undefiled, without sin, and holy before us. Mm. That's the image of God. Because God is holy. Remember the angels there in uh, Isaiah where they cried, holy, holy, holy. God is holy and desires for us to be holy. Now we won't strive that perfection until the resurrection morning but we should live to be perfect in this world, which is mature. So, God's telling says, now let's make man in our own image. Well, how'd He do it? Go to Genesis 2 and 7. And we're going to find out something about the virgin birth. (laughs) Because that's been our topic. And it says in Genesis 2 and 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You notice something here? And I've been reading this Bible for a long time, and I'm not trying to boast about it, and I'm not trying to say I know a lot about it, because I don't. But there's one thing that I've discovered, that God in creation, the only thing He ever touched was man. He came down and formed him out of the dust of the earth. He didn't say let the earth bring forth man he brought forth man that tells me that man is very 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 special to God for God to do that to leave heaven and come down and do that that man he was very special alright so we got man now here and he's perfect and he's without sin and God tells him this law And by the way, you don't need the Ten Commandments to have a law of God. Anything God says is a law. Whatever He says, that's what we ought to do. And He said this law. He said, of all the tree in the garden, thou shalt freely eat. But of the tree of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. For the day thou eatest thereof, and I may not be quoting it for Zach. The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we're going to show you in a minute how He died. Adam was there in the garden just whatever he was doing piddling around however he was doing it having a good time and the Lord looked at him and said it's not good that man should be alone so in the 21st verse it says and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof And the rib, now notice this is very important, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now look what Adam says. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh that shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. Why did God do that? Why didn't he just form another one? Why did he put Adam through that? Because if he had formed another person out of the dust of the earth, that would have been another kind. It wouldn't have been the same family. But by taking it out of Adam, she became part of his flesh. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she became part of the family of Adam. Now, she went out and got deceived the scripture says she was deceived Adam wasn't but she was and Satan being the creature that he is deceives a lot of God's children and one of them is saying the virgin birth don't matter that's one of the ways he's deceiving today and she being deceived she brought it to Adam now We can speculate why Adam sinned, but I really believe that he knew Eve had to leave the garden. There was no no way she was going to stay there with him. So he partook of the fruit to be with his bride. Think about Christ coming to this earth to be with his bride and what he took. But that's another subject altogether. So now we see Adam there. And the Lord said, "The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die." Adam lived to be nine hundred and thirty years old. How did he die? I believe he died in the spirit. Now the spirit did not die. You can't kill a spirit, but death is a separation. When I die in this world, and we put such emphasis on it, sometime like, "Oh, it's awful!" It's just a separation. My soul, I pray, and my spirit go to God and my body goes into the dust of the earth waiting on the resurrection morning where they'll be reunited again. But nonetheless, the point I'm trying to make is they're just separated. God, in His infinite wisdom, told Adam, when you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. He knew that there was going to be a separation. Now, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I do. I was asked who was the first person to ever be born again, and I said, Adam. Right. I believe that. So anyway, God could communicate with him because back in John, it says God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth, and if Adam didn't have the Spirit now, he couldn't do it. Amen. So you see, Adam now died spiritually, not the Spirit died, but died spiritually. I also believe he died progressively in the soul and what I mean by that is he gets worse and worse then he dies ultimately in the body Mm -hmm. if Adam had never taken that fruit he would have never died because the Bible tells me the wages of sin is death nothing else in this world causes death but sin I don't care if you say well mom died of cancer Mm -hmm. it was sin that caused it well Grandpa died of old age. Well, sin caused it. Whatever happens to you in this world, as far as ailments or anything else, sin caused it. And I'm going to throw this in just for the gist of it. Don't ever pray, Lord, take all my pain away. Pain is extremely necessary. God said in Genesis over here that... uh, he was going to cause you to eat from the, from the sweat of your brow. Yeah. And all this was done, as a, and he cursed the ground for your sake. He didn't say he cursed the ground for your punishment, but for your sake. If you never had a pain, you'd never know you stepped on a rusty nail. Right. If you never had a pain, you wouldn't know you had appendicitis. Right. You would die a lot quicker if you didn't right. have pain. Right. So God has given us pain as a warning, something is wrong. And when you pain in the heart and have left God, something is wrong. How many people have ever come to you as a minister, you ministers, and said, Would you pray for me? God don't answer my prayers. I've had that to happen a lot of times. And I look at them and I say, I'll certainly pray for you, but why don't He answer your prayer? God answers all prayers if it's prayed right. And there is a right way to pray. You know a man will never go in his bedroom and turn on his light. And if the light don't come on, he goes, I knew it. Electricity don't work for me. (laughs) The first thing he's going to do is say, there's something wrong. Either the bulb is blown, the breaker is knocked, or the switch is bad. That's what it is with prayer. If God is not answering your prayer, take a Look at your heart and understand why is he not answering it, right. and fix it. Right. You can fix it. Amen, brother. All right, now let's go. Now the wages of sin is death. Now I've got a nephew in the grave that died when he was three months old, I believe, or two months or three months old. The doctor said it was crib death. It was sin. Amen. Brother. That's right. Now, I don't believe that may be sin, right. but sin was hereditary was it hereditary Romans 5 12 says this wherefore as by one man's sin wherefore as by one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for all have sin you know what that tells me sin being hereditary is passed from the father not the mother But you won't find one woman in this world that doesn't have a father. So she's a sinner. It was passed too. But she's not the one that does the passing. Therefore, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, He was born as the Son of God, but also born as the Son of Man without sin because He did not have a natural father. Big difference. And we see that Adam is the one that caused all this. Now, David said, Behold, I am shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, it wasn't the act that Jesse and his wife did. It was the fact that sin was hereditary. That's why the Bible tells us to hate our mother and father. Mm. I've had a lot of trouble with that sometimes. That People say, well, what's that mean? Because God says over here, Love thy mother and father. Honor thy mother and father. And then over here he says, except a man hate his mother and father. I think it's the sin that they gave us that we're to hate. Not the person, but the act. All right. Isaiah said, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and that shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel means God with us. God had prophesied this is how it's going to be. That's why it's so important. And Joseph, being the man that he was, when Mary had conceived by the Holy Ghost, done nothing wrong. But Joseph didn't know it. He loved Mary. And he was going to put her away quietly. Because you know why? She was supposed to be stoned. Stoned. Do you ever think about that? An adulterous person back in that day, or one committed fornication, was to be stoned. And Joseph thought, I can't let this happen to her. But God is so wise and so gracious and so merciful that He appeared to Joseph. And He said, While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. God was Jesus' father. Amen. That's right. And that's what we need to understand. Well, I want to make one more point before I quit. You know, from Cain and Abel, they both made sacrifices sacrifices was made for sin from that time on right. even God said this is how you'll do it you know what that tells me innocent blood can't redeem you right. yeah. because i never seen an animal sin Amen. Right. but they poured that blood out on the altar for sin yeah. but the Bible says for it is not possible not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Why? It wasn't after their kind. Mm -hmm. God had this law. And you remember, God makes laws, but He does not break laws. He had this law, and you can go to uh, Leviticus, the 25th chapter, and read about it, called the Kinsman Redeemer. When God came into this world as Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, as well as the Son of God, He had to be related to us through that. He had to be of that kind, that family. Now, you say, well, God chose the Jews, so only the Jews would be saved then. No. If you go back and think of Ruth, you know she was uh, Jesus' great-great-grandmother. Ruth was a Moedite. She was a Gentile. You can also go back and see Rahab the harlot. She was a Gentile. But she was a great, great grandmother. Now, scientists have finally got wise. I always think it's so funny how science, something in the Bible, and it takes science a long time to figure that out. (laughs) But they got this thing now called DNA. And DNA says that you are 100% your mother and 100% your father. Jesus Christ was 100% Mary and 100% God. 100% man, 100% God. No half and halves, no 50-50, complete. And the last verse I want to leave you with is in Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ has redeemed. That means bought back. We sold ourselves in sin. Right. And Adam sold himself in sin whenever he decided, I'll go with Eve rather than God. Right. So Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Amen. That's why the cross, and that's another good subject sometimes. Why did he have to die on the cross rather than being stabbed yeah. or shot? <laughs> I don't think they had bullets back in that day. We think they shot him with an arrow. Why didn't they do it that or poison him? Why did he have to hang on that cruel cross? Because God said, "Cursed be the man that hangeth on a tree. Right. And he became a curse for you and me. Amen. And we should be so thankful and don't let anybody tell you the virgin birth isn't important. Amen. For without it, we would never have salvation. May the Lord bless you in my prayer.